they say that intermittent fasting has a ton of health benefits and that it's super easy to do. However, it may not be as simple as simply stop eating. In some cases, you need some additional guidance and some more adaptation period. So in this episode of the Body, Mind, Empowerment podcast, we're going to be talking about how to adapt to intermittent fasting. It's another recording of my YouTube live streams, so it's going to include some Q&A as well. Like Charles Darwin himself said, it's not the strongest nor the most intelligent of the species that survives, but the one that's most adaptable to change. Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Uh, yeah, and uh, as you can see from the title, then I'm going to be talking about how can you adapt to intermittent fasting and uh, the main kind of theme is going to be surrounding of how do you actually you know get used to it so to say a lot of people can or like there is a lot of uh, many benefits to fasting and such but uh, it doesn't matter how good <laughs> the benefits are if you're not able to fast so to say or if you're not able to make it happen if you're not able to kind of stick to it in the long term Mm, yeah, so that's that's why you know it's so quite important to kind of pay attention to how can I actually get make it make it a sustainable lifestyle change, and uh, it's never gonna be so this sort of a uh, it name it may not always be easy and uh, it may not always be uh, a, a downhill road <laughs> or a walk in a park. It's uh, it it may have some uh, implications and such. So that's what I've been talking about in today's live stream. So yeah, hit like and share it around with someone else who is struggling <laughs> with fasting. I myself have been doing it for nearly yeah almost seven years or almost nearing eight years by now. So uh, I can say that I, I I'm quite used to it already, and there isn't no any problems for me to fast for like a week with no problems and such and I feel perfectly fine and uh, what I wanted to kind of start is of uh, maybe going through some of the initial journey of how I began and how did I become quote-unquote fat adapted for fasting to kind of give like overview of how how you yourself may uh, get used to it, so to say, and you can. I I didn't have like the intention of becoming extremely fat adapted with fasting, and when I started, I did it only as a way of like as a way of uh, tracking my nutrition as well as uh, losing some body fat and such. But after a while, I realized that you know, yeah, it's it's so powering it's so it's so powerful for the body it's so healthy and it's also much more convenient to do in the modern world so i decided to you know it's it's something that i wanted to implement into my lifestyle further and make it like a sustainable lifestyle change so when i first started i heard uh i've heard about these different kind of methods of doing fasting and the first thing I started off with was the 16 and 8 hour time window where you consume your food within 8 hours and such and usually you have like 2 meals and something. Uh, the first kind of people I've started following from that kind of um, methodology were people like the Hodge twins, <laughs> the two two YouTubers who do bodybuilding and fitness and comedy and everything else, uh, as well as uh, Martin Birken, uh, who is the who's the creator of the Lean Gains method. So th these were the first people I came across, 
uh, when I started fasting and uh, I did the 16 and 8 hour method for maybe like 2 to 4 years uh, or 2 to 3 years, something like that and it's like perfectly fine, it's perfectly sustainable and it's something that I actually think that most people should stick to on a everyday basis even if they're not, even if they're not planning on doing uh, OMAD or if they're not doing keto or if they're not uh, doing these extended fasts then I, at least I think that the 16 and 8 hour fasting window is something that should be sort of uh, the golden uh, aim towards fasting every day and uh, that's gonna be it's not gonna give you like the full benefits but at the same time it's 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 a simple it's, it's a simple method of time restricting your uh, eating window and in so doing you may gain some of the benefits of ins improved insulin sensitivity reduced blood sugar as well as like uh, prolonging the fasted state in the morning so to say and gaining some benefits from that uh, but you know then then again i've also one of the first books i read about fasting was the book of uh ori hofmeckler called the warrior diet which is uh, a bit which is like a step further uh, than the 16 and 8 hour time window uh, the warrior diet usually is something like 20 hours fasting and you, you eat your food within four hours or such so it's like a very prolonged omad prolonged one meal a day it's not like a one meal specifically but you consume it still within a single sitting not in a single sitting directly but maybe like within two meals but in a very time restricted manner and uh, the warrior diet is also very effective and such and uh, it, it may take a bit of more effort if you're kind of jumping into fasting right away you may not be able to tolerate it that effectively of course you will be like perfectly fine with uh, with that, but uh, it may not be you know that enjoyable, so to say. You know the truth is that everyone can fast. Everyone can fast for like days and weeks upon end with no problems. Like if you were if you were to be thrown into the wild with no food, no calories, no Twinkies, no 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 Quest bars, no protein shakes, no steaks, and uh, you're like literally in this barren wasteland then uh, the only thing for you to survive or the only option for you to survive is to simply adapt to the fasting and shift into like really deep ketosis and uh, trigger these other longevity pathways so like physiologically everyone is perfectly fine and it actually it is actually quite a in my opinion it's actually one of the most kind of beneficial traits for uh, general longevity as well as uh, health is to be able to tolerate these kinds of nutritional stressors whether that be from fasting whether that be from carb restriction whether that be from you know tolerating these uh, hormetic compounds from plants or or, or whatever they may be it's a, like a good trait of biological fitness as well as uh, longevity so to say and uh, that that's that's the reason why i think like uh, the fasting itself is going to be so good uh for for that and to kind of build up this trait and to build up this fasting muscle or to build up the fat adaptation and uh let's say if you were to be thrown into the wild then you will survive no problems and you will become quite uh, fat adapted quite fast so uh, the, the 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 issue may be that simply people have kind of lost this trait they've lost this ability to tap into their body fat stores because of high eating frequency because of too anabolic foods too uh, like too many carbohydrates too much other nutrients that are preventing the body from utilizing its own endogenous fuel substrates 
So uh, that's that's like uh, really trainable, and uh, it's 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 mostly like a psychological thing of people getting stuck up with uh, their old ways of doing things, and they're not going to really, uh, you know, there there isn't like a reason for the body to become fat adapted and uh, to leverage the uh, benefits of fasting, so to say. There is not going to be a reason to trigger them. So uh, what you can do to kind of get used to it as well as psychologically is to simply start practicing time-restricted feeding every day in some shape or form. Like it's not supposed to be easy in a sense that uh, kind of every, any kind of physiological adaptation requires some effort and requires some discomfort. Like that's how you build muscles. That's how you lose fat or that's how you burn fat. And uh, that's how you, I don't know, get used to the cold. That's how you, that's how the heat shock hormesis works as well. That's how like learning, if you were, if you aren't able to tolerate, you know, sitting down and reading a book, then you're not going to ever, ever going to actually gain the knowledge. So to say, you're not never going to pick up the book in the first place. So you can't escape the pain, so to say, you can't escape the slight discomfort, but you can, what you can do is simply change your perception about it. You can simply flip a mental switch of reframing the situation and telling yourself that this is actually something that is going to be benefiting me in the future. And uh, it's simply like a temporary thing, so to say, it's, it's, it's part of the process. And uh, in so doing, you, you will actually lower the stress response as well. For instance, uh, stress is uh, is mostly like a physiological thing that has like a psychological basis as well, so to say that you can create huge amounts of cortisol in your body and you can, you know, trigger massive stress hormones into your bloodstream or you can release these stress hormones into your bloodstream with, uh, with like pure thought. You can have like some sort of negative emotion, someone, you know, say something bad to you, you start to feel sad, you start to feel emotional, and that itself, with no, with no real like physical basis, that itself can release these stress hormones, and that can cause like a greater stress response, so to say, and likewise, you can shut off that stress response with your mind as well, by, you know, saying to yourself that, this is not actually a real thing or this is actually not that stressful or this is something that is going to have like a positive benefit in the future, so to say. <laughs> and uh, that's, an, that's, that's like a huge mental hack, like practicing this sort of a stoic, semi-stoic uh, attitude towards life can really enhance your uh, adaptation to any kind of uh, difficulties, whether that be mental or physical, simply flipping a mental switch and reminding yourself that this too shall pass, so to say, and uh, it doesn't have to be uh, negative, it doesn't have to be, it, it can only be negative if you choose to let it affect you. If you're not affected by it mentally, then it's not going to affect you physically either, because you prevent the stress stimulus from kicking in. And uh, you prevent like the stress hormones from overtaking it or, or, or losing your grip. And yeah, that's how you begin. Like uh, you, you begin by step by step and uh, you gradually increase your adaptation based on your goals, based on your energetic requirements and based on your kind of lifestyle, what kind of uh, eating frequency you want to live. Like uh, some people yeah, may want to strive towards eating only uh, once a day, some people maybe want to have like two meals a day just because they don't 
able to eat in that much food in one sitting or they simply uh, aren't able to do it, that's fine. But I still think like you should still aim for time restricted feeding every day, like the 16 and 80 is the minimum, in my opinion. Yeah, and everyone can do it. And uh, for, for instance, yeah, it's going to have to depend upon what your goals and such. So you get used to it by simply adopting a fasting focused lifestyle and practicing it in some aspect. And what one kind of key things that help to speed up the process and help to make it easier is to follow a somewhat and you don't have to be necessarily full on keto or full on low carb, zero carb or such. What you can do is simply lower your carbs and incorporate the carbs strategically and kind of limit them to a certain time frame. And the let's say, for instance, if you are doing a non-keto diet that incorporates some carbs, then what I'd still advise you to do is to kind of backload all your carbohydrates into the post-workout scenario or or backload your carbs into the later parts of the day because uh, in so doing, you will kind of leverage the aspect of uh, ketosis throughout the earlier parts of the day. If you skip breakfast and you... Uh, continue fasting then that itself will put you into quite like mild ketosis and if you break your fast with a lower carb meal as well then that itself will also kind of keep you in this ketogenic state until the evening and even if you do have those those carbs in the evening then uh, it's not going to affect your keto adaptation and fat adaptation by the next day so to say you'll be back in ketosis uh, by the morning I'm, in the meanwhile, I'll take like another question so that uh, it, it uh, brings some variation into the Q&A. But I'll then carry on. Uh, do you take Indian herbs like ashwagandha and shilajit? Yeah, I do actually. Uh, ashwagandha is uh, super good for the adaptogenic effect of, uh, of uh, this, of this uh, adapting to stress, so to say. It's actually like a... I'm not sure what the medical term for it is, but uh, it basically helps you to balance out your nervous system. If you're too stressed out, then it will relieve the stress and kind of promote recovery. But if you're under or if you're too parasympathetic, if you're too kind of slow or if you're too (laughs) understressed, if if that even is a thing, then it will kind of rev you up a little bit. So it balances out yourself out uh, based upon what your body needs. So it's like a super good herb. And I do take it almost every day. Uh, usually I take it in the evening to kind of wind myself down and promote sleep. But I may take it in during the daytime as well sometimes. If I take something like a bone broth or something, I'll always mix some different herbs into my bone broth. Like the ashwagandha, turmeric, ginger and uh, cayenne pepper and things. To kind of promote uh, the autophagy process as well. Without kind of completely breaking the fast. And shilajit, shilajit is another one of those things that I do take... And uh, I must say that it does have, I do notice like a, quite a significant uh, difference in terms of like energy and uh, in terms of overall uh, vitality and such. It does take, it does taste like, you know, complete crap and it's very sour. It's not sour, but it's yeah, very bitter and uh, kind of tastes like uh, granite <laughs> or rock or something which is which is it's it's like a like a mineral and such but it is uh, very effective for that I do use those uh, let's take another question uh, 
what if you exercise fasted? Yeah, like exercising fasted can help to speed up the process a little bit. It will, you know, make you burn fat and it will make you convert some some uh, fatty acids into ketones and such and it can stimulate autophagy. Uh, it may not be, you may not be able to simply exercise as well as you will with uh, eating, so to say, if you're, if you're not used to fasting that much, if your mitochondria haven't become fat adapted yet, then your performance in a fasted state will definitely drop a, a little bit, so to say, you won't be able to like lift weights and uh, your like high intensity interval training performance can also suffer a little bit because of that but uh, regular cardio i don't i don't I, I have never noticed a significant drop in like regular cardio lo like low intensity cardio even if i'm eating a carb based diet so to say and despite not having eaten so to say it doesn't matter if i've eaten or it doesn't matter if i haven't eaten mm. uh, what the potential dangers of doing fasted cardio uh, without being keto adapted is that you may simply lose a bit of more muscle so to say you may become too glycolytic because the, the body wants to produce or the body wants to keep on performing the physical activity and to kind of fuel that process, it may want to convert your proteins and your muscles into glucose. But if you're keto adapted, then the requirement for glucose is going to be non insignificant and non-existent basically. And you will be able to do low intensity cardio for hours and hours with no worries if you're like in ketosis and keto adapted. But after keto adaptation, then uh, you will always, be, in my opinion, you will still be like always stronger if you have some food in your system. And uh, generally, it's better for muscle growth as well to have some protein in your system if you're doing like heavy resistance training. But uh, the performance aspect itself, you may be only like, you may experience maybe like 5 to 10% drop in performance if you're working out fasted as long as you're keto adapted, so to say. Because, like, yeah, it's 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 very similar in terms of your well-being or in terms of your mental clarity and your, able to, your ability to push yourself. It's very similar uh, with fasting. What is a cheap keto-approved staple food you recommend? Tight budget. Tight, <laughs> tight budget. Uh, well, you can check out my one of my videos about it, uh, where I dissect my cheap $5 a day keto diet. And uh, it uh, basically includes things like, oh, like the primary source of my protein uh, would be things like eggs, because they're cheap, and they're highly nutritious. They will definitely give you enough protein. And uh, they do to give like uh, the other essential fatty acids as well that uh, will be you know used uh, but uh, other things maybe as well uh, I may kind of implement a little bit of uh, wild wild salmon or something but I would eat it only in like microdoses so to say you don't need a bunch of salmon to get you know the all the essential daily DHA and EPA and such you can take like a few bites of it and uh, in, in if you do that then you can kind of 
gonna decrease the overall cost of your uh, of your of your fish intake, so to say. You you can you can still buy the fish, but you don't have to kind of keep buying it again because you can run it for like a longer period. So yeah, you can kind of microdose <laughs> a fish. You can microdose some wild salmon uh, next to your eggs and such, and you can do do it with like liver as well, like quality liver. It's not that expensive, but uh, you can simply like take one bite of liver every day or every other day and still get all like a bunch of you know all the essential nutrients and such but uh, the primary source of protein for me would be like eggs and some meat something like that you don't need a bunch of meat you don't need to eat meat every day and you don't need to have like a bunch of these uh, nutrients all the time either but you can simply get like a microdose <laughs> from uh, these di different uh uh, food food sources like that like I, I would primarily focus on quality eggs and you know a little bit of meat and then have like the the, the vegetables themselves like you know cabbage or broccoli they, they can be also very cheap if you don't overdo them so to say you don't have to be consuming like a bucket full of broccoli and and cauliflower every day and you definitely don't need to be consuming like this very expensive fruits and vegetables that practically have no nutritional value like bell peppers paprika tomatoes cucumbers like they're they're one of the most expensive foods or kale kale and spinach they tend to be really expensive but uh, they don't have like any significant nutrient value so i would f i would primarily focus on getting like quality eggs and quality meat and then microdose on like some wild salmon or uh, some uh, liver. You can also take yeah some uh, quality cod liver oil or something of like that as well to kind of get you in, in, in. If you do that, then you may not have to be taking the fish even. So next question. Uh, you will always have some catabolism when you fast, but if you refeed correctly and know how to work out properly, you'll gain it back after the fast. Yeah, like that is that is uh, correct, so to say that uh, it's not necessarily. It doesn't matter like what happens during the fast uh, per se. What matters is the general daily. 24-hour period nitrogen balance and uh, the balance between anabolism and catabolism you can you you are definitely being more catabolic with with your fasting but if you compensate for that with adequate refeeds and you know adequate protein intake then you can circumvent that and uh, you can you know still gain the best of both worlds but uh, the problem might be that because of the limited time window of your fasting depending on what kind of a what kind of a window you're aiming for if the fasting window is too small or if it's inadequate in anabolism or if it's not going to trigger enough muscle protein synthesis then you may still end up with a negative negative balance so to say negative nitrogen balance and you may end up losing muscle so you have to be quite aware of uh, how well can I refeed and uh, what kind of nutrients am I putting into my body so yeah like if you are fasting then the goal isn't to stay catabolic after you break the fast. The goal is to trigger these anabolic pathways like mTOR and uh, and such to uh, you know balance the catabolism with anabolism. And that you can expect in my next book. 
the the book that is coming out early early next year maybe in january so stay tuned for that but meat curbs sugar cravings yeah it might it might like uh they do say that protein is the most satiating macronutrient uh but uh, i would say that it's only like a part part of the kind of overall satiety effect of eating meat like uh if you were to be eating only protein like a chicken breast or such then you maybe yeah get sick of eating it but you don't really feel satiated like you would still crave for something to eat and you may still maintain your like sugar cravings so uh the 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 meat that you would eat has to kind of incorporate the other uh essential micronutrients and uh vitamins and such so there's and also like a bit of fat is going to be very beneficial for the satiety effect and it's kind of this general mouth feel that I like to call like actually eating something that you know takes some effort to chew take takes some effort to bite down that's like another this critical component that people tend to overlook when it comes to satiety like you can take like a protein shake but you wouldn't feel that much satiety from it because it's like liquid calories and uh, it's it's not going to be the same as you were to be sitting down and eat the same amount of calories from like meat or steak so uh yeah there's a, there's this aspect of actually eating your food and being mindful of it that also promotes satiety so yeah like the, it's a good idea to not really drink your calories in most cases and to aim for like actually fulfilling fulfilling foods that satiate you and require some effort <laughs> effort so to say to eat Mm-mm. and uh, yeah like uh, you would coming back to the topic of the live stream of uh, how do you get used to intermittent fasting then uh, eating sa- eating foods that satiate you is the like the beneficial for going through the periods of the fasting if you're eating foods that don't really fill you up that leave you hungry then it's of course you're going to experience more hunger during the fasting period because like it's purely physical it's purely physically more difficult for you to fast so to say so what i tend to always eat is not only uh, like quality meats and quality protein but also like still eat quite quite a good amount of vegetables and uh, these other things that uh, you know have more volume to the meal and that you know the higher the volume then uh, you will kind of be satiated with fewer calories and such so yeah like uh, generally eating some quality meat and uh, some vegetables that's a good meal to uh, get used to fasting and if it's like a slightly lower carb then the fat adaptation will be faster question you mentioned that it's better to work out with some amino acids in the bloodstream when doing resistance training can i work out fully fasted and uh, then need my protein uh well like it depends again like what kind of a workout it is and how long it is and uh, how intense it is like you can get away with maybe like 30 minutes of uh, resistance training with no worries as long as you consume your protein post-workout and uh, maybe if you have like two meals a day or something then it's perfectly fine to work out in a fasted state but if you're eating uh, let's say one meal a day 
and uh, you have like a two-hour workout session with with weights, and then you only eat your uh, protein within within a single sitting, then that that may potentially simply lead to some muscle loss, so to say. So th- there are some some ways of hacking it. You you can have like a smaller bite of protein before the workout, and uh, then work out, and then have an OMAD dinner and such. But uh, in most cases, if your goal is pure hypertrophy and you want to maximize muscle growth and really accelerate it, then uh, it's always better to have some protein in your system a little bit. You don't need a bunch, just like uh, maybe up to 20 grams of protein and such is the minimum for, for triggering this anabolic effect. And that will simply protect you against the catabolic effects of the training but if you're doing it like maintenance, if you're not particularly trying to go for a heavy workout or if you're not particularly trying to build much mass or muscle, then uh, it's not necessary to have protein uh, before the workout either. Like uh, it's it, Then it goes back to the daily kind of balance of how well you refeed after breaking the fast. So uh, if, you, if you really want to build muscle, then it would be better to have some protein uh, whether that be from real food or a protein shake or something, and then having your protein uh, after the meal, so that if, so that's the only scenario where I would imagine that a protein shake would be useful if you're like working out fasted and you're planning on having a heavier resistance training workout and you're trying to build muscle. That's the only kind of time that you, where you would want to have some protein shake uh, and such because in in other in in other cases it's not going to be needed and in other cases it's not even uh, advisable in my opinion because you don't need to have it for recovery if you're planning on eating it or if you're planning on having a real meal quite shortly after breaking the fast so that's what i call actually the targeted intermittent fasting like uh, it's 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 the similar to the targeted ketogenic diet uh, but it's simply you take the you have some protein uh, right before heavy resistant workout so you're gonna kind of you're able to si- simply still time restrict your feeding every day while at the same time being able to build muscle and having some blood having some amino acids in the blood before you train so it's it's a good good hack so to say you, you can still eat one meal a day but if you use the protein shake before the workout then it can be used to build some muscle but this is only again like for some heavier resistance training workouts and if you're trying to build muscle if you're trying to burn fat then it's not good and it's not necessarily good for like autophagy and such Mm-mm. the western a price foundation warns about consuming anti-nutrients like cruciferous veggies which are medicine but dangerous also well like uh it's it's again like uh, what in what context and in what amounts and uh, when are you doing it and and such and what's the goals like i'm i definitely don't think that you have to really worry about the anti-nutrients of cruciferous so to say and the, the anti-nutrients of cruciferous is also like quite small you don't they would only become an issue if you re- literally eat like a bucket full of cabbage or bucket full of broccoli and such. And most cases, in most people, they don't eat that much, and you don't you 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 will you will you can eat like a few cups, 
uh, every day and that's like plenty enough and it's actually in my opinion still advisable to have like the sulforaphane and uh, the other antioxidants from the uh, from the uh, vegetables for like longevity and such because the western western price diet is still very heavily kind of based around this idea of eating ancestrally eating a, like a eating a paleo type of diet whereas in reality like what's natural may not necessarily be like optimal for your health and uh, longevity so to say you know the <laughs> the paleo people or the ancestral tribes they they don't have the goal of living healthier and living longer they simply want to survive and they eat the foods that are in their environment so to say which doesn't go to say that you know that it's bad you know the, the animal products or the animal foods are still good but i still think that people would benefit most people will still benefit from eating some vegetables so to say uh what's your thoughts on alcohol tinctures breaking a fast uh, I don't think they would break the fast, so to say, that um, the tinctures, the, sm the mild alcohol or the ethanol or whatever it may be, they may actually stimulate autophagy a little bit and they will definitely promote ketosis as well a little bit. So the, the, the tiny amount isn't going to affect it at all. And the medicinal benefits from the tincture, um, from, whether that be from like a chaga tincture or reishi tincture or something like that those will still be beneficial and people have been using like very small doses of like hard liquor like vodka or hard spirits vodka and such uh, to uh, you know cure some illnesses or something <laughs> you definitely don't want to be having it like beyond one shot or something you don't want to have any more than one shot but like a small dose of alcohol can be useful a little bit like again the hormesis as well as the antibacterials as well as the uh the ketogenic promotion what's your experience with one meal a day well i've been doing omad basically for like three years or such not like all the time uh i may in some days i may when i'm traveling or something i may or when i'm having like some sort of an event then i may have like lunch and then dinner but in most cases, yeah, over the course of these last three years, I've been eating not necessarily OMAD, but I like the warrior diet type of thing and uh, fasting most of the day and then consuming my food within like a few hours and such. And it's been pretty, pretty, pretty good, pretty damn awesome and uh, really convenient as well. So, yeah, it, it can be called like a modified one meal a day <laughs> or or something, something like that or like a warrior diet. I have actually like a published uh, recent podcast as well uh, a few months ago where I talk about my entire journey of intermittent fasting over the course of the seven to eight years, and it's uh, on the it's on the podcast app. It's not on YouTube, but it's on the podcast, and it talk, walks you through of how I started, what did I do, how how did I adapt, and uh, how do you do longer fasts and uh, and everything like that. I love broccoli and Brussels sprouts. This stuff protects you from xenoestrogens. Yeah, like the and you know the 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 idea is that 
the beneficial compounds from these uh, vegetables and such, they're not necessary, but they do help, so to say. <laughs> and uh, that's that's the entire idea of uh, getting like an extra edge, extra protection, and uh, and 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 things like that. Mm, okay, like uh, I'll start. Okay, let's take another question. Why do you think for guys like Thomas Delauer saying not to fast every day? Well, it's uh, I think like like I mentioned earlier, you don't necessarily or like everyone can fast, and I think like the kind of it's a good idea to still time restrict your feeding every day at least to like sixteen and eight hours of fasting every day and such. Because uh, there isn't going to be any negative benefit to eating uh, f like uh, more frequently and such, or not not less frequently. You will definitely want to kind of shake up your fasting routine every once in a while as well. And to have like maybe on one days you have OMAD, on other days you have the warrior diet, on the third day you have maybe 16 and 8 to kind of simply keep your metabolism guessing and keep your metabolism adapted because you don't want to over adapt to the fasting as well because if you get so like so fat adapted that you never have to eat again then you know that's not ideal for most cases and uh, most people don't want that so they still want to have like a slightly uh, metabolic flexibility again of having slightly more frequent f food on some days and on some days you have uh, less frequent you aim for maybe like one omad and you maybe aim for like a 24-hour fast and uh, things like that but you i but but in my opinion again you don't the you don't need to exceed the 16 and 8 hour window so to say you will still benefit from uh, things like that and if you have uh, less if you have more frequent meals let's say then it's not gonna affect you in the long term either but it's not gonna be necessary either you don't have to have like four meals a day <laughs> to think that you kind of save your metabolism or something if you if you if you if you kind of still stick to uh, the the 16 and 8 then you'll gain all the benefits do, do, do. Do you have any advice for someone with chronic Lyme as far as their diet and fasting? Well, I've heard that uh, keto and uh, fasting definitely help with Lyme. So uh, you may want to actually go for a, like a slightly longer fast for, you know, three to five days and such. And kind of that can help you to cure, cure it. Because even like Tim Ferriss, I, I heard that he cured his Lyme with a strict keto diet and intermittent fasting and such, so you can definitely help. <laughs> and the best thing for Lyme, maybe, yeah, like avoid, avoid the interaction with with these the with these bugs. Does fasting increase testosterone? Uh, not directly, but uh, it promotes. Uh, the precursors of testosterone, like luteinizing hormone and such. And I do think that fasting can indirectly promote testosterone as well, thanks to the increase of growth hormone, as well as like uh, reducing inflammation and, uh, and and things of that. But if, it's, if it becomes too much of a stressor, if you overstimulate your adrenals and thyroid, then it will lower testosterone, so to say. So 
it has to be coupled with you know adequate sleep and adequate uh, refeeding and uh, proper exercise is there a recovery period required between longer fasts uh depends on the length of the fast so to say if you're having if you're coming off from a week long fast or like a any fast that's longer than 5 days then it would be a good idea to have maybe like a few days of of a proper proper eating in a time restricted manner uh, but still uh, it depends on like uh, if you want to like if you're trying to burn fat or such or if you're trying to lose fat fast or if you, if you are kind of curing some sort of a disease then uh, you can really jump straight back into it have a refeed and strump, jump straight back into it and you can do it like several times before you can run into troubles you will probably run into troubles if you do these fasts for you know five times in a row and only having having like very brief refeeds then you may kind of run into troubles with your metabolic rate and uh, general thyroid functioning but in, let's say in in shorter fasts like a 24 like a, or like a 48 hour fast or a 36 hour 36 hour fast or a 72 hour fast then in those cases you can really yeah jump straight back into it uh, with no worries and uh, you know again look at look at your uh, how how well are you going to do during the fast how properly are you refeeding during the fasts and uh, how long are you planning on doing it like if if i were to be having like a if i were to be going through some sort of a fat loss period of trying to lose a bunch of fat then yeah i would you know fast for 3 days have an omad dinner and then continue on with another 3 day fast have another omad dinner then maybe have like 2 days of omad or maybe 1 day of the warrior diet and then go back into a, like a longer 3 day fast or a 40 day hour fast something something like that but yeah looking simply getting getting not really pushing it too hard but simply paying attention to my the signals that my body give and paying attention to how well do i feel during refeeds and how well is my progress because yeah like the sustainability is uh, the most important part so to say it's the most critical component mm. Would you lose more fat when fasting than someone who's not even if calories were the same? Uh, yeah, let's say if you were to be consuming the same amount of calories, would you lose more fat with a time-restricted eating window versus a regular like three square, me three square meals a day? Not a whole lot, so to say. Like, if if you if you were to be fasting for only like sixteen and eight, then I would imagine that there wouldn't be any difference as long as the calories and such are the same. In that in that case, the other macronutrients are also quite important. Like, protein has to be controlled, and uh, like if the person is eating low carb keto or is 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 they are they eating a high carb and such. But uh, in general, there's not going to be like a significant difference in terms of fat loss. But I would still hypothesize that you know. Uh, being keto adapted simply helps the person to focus on uh, primarily fat burning instead of uh, losing weight like you can lose weight thanks to losing muscle or you can lose weight thanks to losing water weight and such but your goal is to lose lose fat and that in, that's why like with fasting you will definitely uh, prime the body to burn fat not muscle so to say
thanks to the keto adaptation process. And if you extend it a bit further, let's say you eat OMAD and uh, you consume the same amount of calories and you, then you compare it to a caloric deficit with three meals a day, then uh, I, I would say that there is probably no studies on this, but I would say that the OMAD group uh, would lose slightly more fat again instead of uh, muscle and such if they are keto adapted, so to say. If they're not keto adapted and eating at a caloric deficit with high amounts of carbs on OMAD, then you're predisposing yourself to more muscle loss than if you were to be eating the same amount of calories, high carb, three meals a day, because uh, you're not that used to fasting. But put the same person with the same amount of calories on a keto diet onto OMAD and uh, like create a the same amount of caloric deficit, then they will probably maintain more muscle because they're like being keto adapted and uh, they uh, like they're more resilient against the catabolic stressor of fasting and the energy deficit. But in most cases, not, there's not going to be that significant difference. The only difference is like adherence. It's I would I would imagine that it's simpler to to kind of diet with intermittent fasting because uh, you can feel satiated from from fewer calories as well as like the general idea of priming your body to use fatty acids instead of glucose during the fasting period and uh, in an energy deficit because if you are eating at an energy deficit with high eating frequency and uh, not like you would eating eat, you're eating you're eating at a high eating frequency with uh, plenty of carbs you're not in ketosis and you're at a caloric deficit, then uh, you're simply predisposing yourself to more muscle loss because, again, like the same idea of the body needs some energy, but the only energy it can use is glucose and uh, it's going to convert some muscle into it. But if, if you're keto adapted, then uh, that is not the case because the energy the body would need will be taken from the fatty acids in your body fat. So, yeah, like if I were to be dieting, Dieting and losing fat in ketosis is definitely safer and uh, healthier and more effective as well. Uh, okay, this is going to be wrapping up. Okay, we have super chat as well. That's nice. Great channel, Seam. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, if you appreciate this, then you can definitely share it around uh, with some other people who are trying to adopt a healthier lifestyle as well as like uh, implement these different strategies that we've been talking about, like keto, low carb fasting, cold thermogenesis, heat exposure. I haven't done a lot of videos about uh, saunas and such, but uh, I will do do it in the future uh, shortly. Mm. And you can also definitely support the channel on Patreon. I, I recently uploaded all these different uh, videos from my biohacking bootcamp about like metabolic cartophagy. The, basically the entire concept of my next book as well as uh, the workshops from uh, Lay Evan, uh, Wim Hof instructor and a bulletproof coach all of these workshops are also on the Patreon and other other also like the previous biohacking bootcamp that I had a few months earlier that's the, the videos of that are also there like how do you biohack your nervous system how do you biohack your morning routine and how do you optimize the day so to say all the videos are there and a bunch of other extra 
cool Q&A videos and such. So yeah, that's that's an option for you. All right, that's it for this episode. If you want to support this podcast, then make sure you leave us a review on iTunes and the other social media platforms. Also, I have my free full guide to intermittent fasting ebook. The link is in the show notes. But other than that, thanks for listening. My name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered.